Boston Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Go Bell Podcast. Storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but ultimately it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. I Okay, welcome back everybody to the weekend episode of the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. A lot has happened since the last time we talked to James. A lot has happened in the wrestling world. But first of all, how are you this weekend? Good, brother. And yourself? Doing all right, man. We've got good weather and uh, good wrestling from the week. I've, You know, I, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I, uh, I, When I was in high school, I only watched the first two Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> so I taped all all the first six off a of cable. I'm on four right now, and then I'm renting the seventh one from my local library. Believe it or not, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm late gonna, to the game, but I'm enjoying them now. They're pretty fun. Are you gonna watch them in order? I am gonna watch them in order, and I know that Tokyo Drift is kind of an outlier in terms of the chronological sequence of it all. But if I'm not mistaken, what's that? I believe it goes after five. Does it? Okay. It I believe it goes one, two, four, five, uh, three, six, seven. Oh my goodness! It's like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> um, well, I think we we should dive right into talking about the news with Brock Lesnar. Did you want to explain it to those who are unaware? Yeah. Um, about late last night, some breaking news all over every um, any type of sporting um, outlet reported that uh, Brock Lesnar Brock Brock (laughs) Lesnar reportedly was tested five times after initial testing data was released by the UFC anti-doping partner uh, USADA where um, they the promotion announced that Brock Lesnar failed an out of competition test which was conducted on uh, June 28th which was 11 days prior to the fight um his fight against Mark Hunt, which was at the UFC 200 in uh, Las Vegas. Um, the positive test was reported by the uh, WADA-accredited UCLA Olympic Analytical Laboratory on July 14, five days after the event. Um, Brock did make an announcement saying that he was going to get to the bottom of it. Um, obviously, this is significant because, uh, one, it's just... Nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see their top guys, um, you know, suffering a bad image su- such as this. And it just happened to John Jones. That was that was Brock. Um, then the then the next big thing about it as well is, uh, you know, um, the UFC takes a hit from it as well because uh, you know their top guy Ronan Reigns had to deal with this uh, with another uh, form of testing positive for a banned substance. Um, it's just bad all the way around. I mean, he, he scored the biggest payday ever from a fight. Um, that has to make the UFC feel some type of way. Mark Hunt has already spoke out to say that, look, if he doesn't at least get some of Brock's purse, that he wants out of his contract. So He actually followed up today and said now he wants all of it, that cheater, che- cheaters shouldn't get anything. He said that he wants all of it now. <laughs> See? <laughs> Which I thought was awesome. <laughs> So, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, they. 
I will say for people that's not really a big UFC fan, there is some cases where um, tests do come back positive and they end up, uh, I'm not going to say working things out, but, um, you know, there's been some, um, basically, uh, how, what am I trying to say? Basically, somebody can get suspended for something, but they end up end up not being as bad as it was initially first reported. It can be sometimes retested, whatever it may be. But I, I don't know. At, at this point, it's just that it's unfortunate. Uh, he, it was such an amazing event, and for this to come out after, it's just it's just bad for the UFC. Yeah, I have uh, I have a couple of thoughts. Speaking to the UFC first, the re you know the draw to them that WWE does not necessarily have is credibility. And by that, I mean, they're actually competing, you know, whoever wins legitimately actually won the fight. You know, sometimes decisions can be wonky with the judges or whatever, but overall, like if a guy got beat, a guy legit got beat. And, you know, in this case, Mark Hunt legit got beat by unanimous decision and three round fight at UFC 200 by Brock Lesnar. His credibility is now in question because of this potential anti-doping violation. So Brock's credibility on the line here, I, I think he would be very wise if it ended up being like a supplement that he took that he shouldn't have or whatever. As long as it like wasn't something illicit, he should probably come out and say what it was after everything gets clarified, like you said. Um, UFC, yeah, the whole payment thing, I think that's that's kind of a small portion of it. But the UFC just made a ton of money off of people who viewed that pay-per-view. Um, I guess it was a week ago today now. I spent my 15 bucks, you know, putting money in into kind of a pool with my friends to get that pay-per-view. And it was pretty much just to watch Brock fight as a wrestling fan. And I'm a little I'm a little upset if it wasn't a fair fight because, like, that's what I paid to watch. You know what I mean? And, and then going to the WWE... You know, they don't – on one hand, they don't have it as hard as the UFC because, like, it's entertainment. They can – and what I think they'll do with Roman Reigns is what they can do with Brock as well. Just turn him heel and everything <laughs> works out fine because everyone's going to boo him anyway. So you just turn him heel and make money off him that way. However, again, with the credibility, this is the guy that they picked to break the streak. And now he has tarnished, uh, at least initially, his reputation. That's not yeah. a good thing. And they're on the hook for his contract for the, a little less than two years to go because I believe it ends at WrestleMania 34 in 2018. Not good for anybody, but you know, the more I thought about it this morning, the more it's like, yeah, WWE can probably work this out and just turn him heel. And the more you have him win in WWE, the angrier it's going to make people anyways. Yeah. It's why I think Roman Reigns should probably win the title back next Sunday. <laughs> But uh, whether they go there, like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, maybe they'll put it on Seth on Monday and then this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, maybe they'll just give it to Roman Reigns because that would get the biggest reaction. But I, I, I don't know. I do want to say that um, prior to the failed test that he passed three before that. So yeah. it's, like, it's like, you know, what did you change different about what you did or, you know. Or it could be an outlier. It could be that the test is wrong and when they test the B sample, he comes out clean. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. It could be exactly. fine. That that's what I was trying to say earlier. And, and then the other thing about it as well is that um, you, you know, like I don't know, it's just it's just kind of shocking to me a little bit. It's good. First of all, it's good that um, upon him returning on short notice, you know, they allowed him to come back. That they did test him because 
there was um, there was some chatter. I, I don't want to say amongst fighters or just amongst Twitter that because of his short return that he was going to be tested, but he was tested four times, mm-hmm. and for him to pass three times and then fail to one, I mean. Again, I've, I've like just like you said, they'll they'll get to the bottom of it. And yeah, they're not going to release um, the they're not going to the, the USADA officials are not going to release the substance detected unless Brock makes it public first. So Which I, be, I still feel he really should do in this particular case, but you you got to think he probably won't. Just knowing how Brock really doesn't say a whole lot. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this yeah. last question here. Um, mm-hmm. Is he going to wrestle Randy Orton at SummerSlam still? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what? He gets suspended for 30 days with the WWE effective of the bill day of the drug test, I would guess. I don't know. They'll work that out. Look, it's all about the Benjamins. They're not going to mess up that paycheck. It doesn't even matter. Do you think that um, this speaks poorly to the WWE wellness policy, given that USADA busted him for something, but WWE, who theoretically tests him far more frequently and for a longer period of time did not catch no not at all okay i think i think um i don't either because he came out clean like you said like significant like just shortly before this failed test right and i'm i don't know so much about drugs and, and testing i will i will definitely admit that on, on any platform but when you hear about what's happening over in um brazil and the olympus and how they're having problems with uh defective testing which means that from people who's responsible for Olympians in the country that they're hosting that, that they had to bid for and that you know how much money it's going to bring to that country. So they had plenty of time to prepare and they're having contamination issues. This is, this is possible on any scale to me. So it just, nothing seems to have like sort of say a hundred percent like integrity to me. I feel like there's always a chance for some type of faultiness in the testing, which means that, in other words, you kind of just got to say, eh, whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. That's, and the thing is, I, I almost wish that we wouldn't have found out about it yesterday until everything had been sorted out and he clarified the test with his B sample. Like, because then it could be a whole lot of hullabaloo about nothing, which is kind of the media in general these days. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Well, I guess let's take the wait and see <laughs> approach on that. I'll be. It'll be interesting to see how... I mean, it was already going to be interesting, but it especially will now how Brock Lesnar is handled in the draft, whether they treat him as a special attraction prize fighter or if he's the property of one of the brands at the end of that. I'm, does a he, lot make, of, does in, he make an appearance on Tuesday is the other thing? They yeah, have to yeah. I mean, my, my gut tells me it would probably be just Paul Heyman. Um, but the, yeah, there's a... Yeah, it adds even more intrigue to a night that was already quite intriguing. Um, <laughs> you put that dude on TV, man. Y'all need ratings because right now, just like we don't, we're not. Even yeah, they already announced it. We're going to be looking. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, that would be the thing to do. But again, if they're going to suspend him, you would think that they would do that now so that you could get him back for as much SummerSlam build as possible. So you could always tape something too before he's officially suspended. That's something that can be done, but. Um, why don't we take a short break and when we come back I want to talk about Finn Balor versus Shinsuke Nakamura from NXT this week we want to talk about the first four uh, matches we saw from round one of the Cruiserweight Classic and then uh, our final thoughts leading into Tuesday's uh, WWE draft on the first live Smackdown so we'll be right back rate, review, and subscribe to the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Google
Google Play, and SoundCloud. Connect with us on all of our platforms, bgbgroup.tumblr.com, at bgbgroup on Twitter, and facebook.com slash biggoldbelt. Okay, we're back after that short message from uh, us. Um, did you, wa- you watch the Balor Nakamura this week, right, Two Chains? Indeed, indeed. Um, well, I want to hear your impression of it, what you think it accomplished, um, and if you think they had a better match in them that they can do down the line. Um, I felt like, I felt two things. I, I felt that um, it was, it, it gave me back the chills when Shinsuke uh, first um, uh, debuted it. It wasn't as extreme as that, but it was just the fact that this is another big fantasy match that um, we wanted to see on U.S. soil that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the crowd was really into it. I was into it watching from home. So the president was there. The excitement was already there. Um, I was curious to see where they're going to play two faces or facing heel, which Balor did play the heel. He did. He did the same that. thing, if you remember, back when he wrestled Apollo Crews on NXT. Oh, he, right. he kind of played the heel role. It's very similar to where he's a little more aggressive, and I like that side of uh, Balor. I hope we see more of that I on do. the main roster. I do. And it, it also, my other take was that it also felt like a New Japan pro wrestling match mm-hmm. in NXT. I felt, um, although the Tokyo Dome's obviously way better than Full Sail. Um, a little bit. I just, I just felt that um, the chance was there. Um, just the the way the the match was worked. It mm-hmm. just, I don't know. You can tell that this history there, obviously. Yeah. And it was a very polished match. Um, and I, I was susceptible of how it ended. I was susceptible of the spots. Everything about it was good. It was a, it was a five star match easily. I like it. A bit more. Until they let off the pedal a little bit, but I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't call it five star myself, but I thought it was very good. I like that they both kicked out of each other's finished ones, and I love the way he made Nakamura look human because Nakamura's been on a like a freight train roll since he debuted, and he mm-hmm. worked Nakamura's leg, and Nakamura sold it like mad. And it yeah. just it, it, it that's something you have to do as a babyface. You do have to build some sympathy at some point instead of just straight crushing dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think that he'll work a very similar type of match against Samoa Joe uh, when that does happen. I, I think um, I think that Corey Graves is phenomenal on Mike, and he caters to the work that's happening in the ring where he uh, put emphasis on – Finn Balor working his leg and his knee mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the injuries of the past and stuff like that. So uh, that always makes that really enjoyable. But, um, again, I thought it was five-star because, one, it did not have the OG moments in it, but it was so polished. The storytelling, commentary, everything about it. It was an instant classic that I know I could go back and, and, and get the same jitters again. And yeah. I just feel like very, very clean. Those sloppy moments, like well, it's two you know, world class workers you had there. Like the, they couldn't have a bad match if they tried, you know. Yeah, I have to say, no matter whenever we transition to the next topic, that I just did not think that after this match I was going to see anything remotely good. That's what I just see. Like literally, the best two hours of wrestling I watched. Yeah, it was. It was uh, let's just get right into it. We saw the first round of the cruiserweight classic. 
yeah. the first four matches rather there's still more first round matches to watch coming up i think yeah. we get to see tajiri next week which is awesome we do um it's later so the four matches we saw, I'm going to try and talk about them in order. I'm looking at the bracket right now. Grand Metallic yeah. versus uh, Alejandro Saez. Yeah. Uh, Metallic just signed an NXT deal from what I read this morning. I, I hope that's true. He was very good. Um, uh, I have to say that. He's like 27, uh, which is great, by the way. Indeed. Um, uh, two things I want to talk about Grand Metallic. Um, two things. Uh, one thing is I love his social media presence. Um, I love that he's still hungry. I love how he controlled the crowd. Um, his moves are there. We know that. It's so good to see some type of um, uh, moves, such luchador moves in the ring again without having to watch lucha, which is hard for me to watch at times. So it's good to see that back in the uh, WWE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the commentary was good, which told the story because I like Alejandro. Obviously, Daniel Bryan does. But the storyteller was that his weight cut was always going to make him was his thirty pound weight cut was going to put him at a disadvantage, and, and it seemed like it did. Um, 30, 30 pounds is, is phenomenal to cut, regardless of how you yeah. look at it. Um, but this is a great match, and, and the other uh, the other big comment I want to say is that this whole car period I felt was booked as a like towards the climax, which each match kept getting better. But the starting match set the tone, mm-hmm. and then it just rose up. I, again, best two hours of wrestling I've watched in a long time. And then the second match, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the order, was it uh, Arya Davari, uh, brother of uh, Sean Davari, who was mm-hmm. with Muhammad Hassan back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. versus Hoho Loon from, yeah. I believe he was from Co- one of the Koreas, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's not Japanese. But um, I saw Arya Davari work about a year ago. He main evented the Global Force Wrestling show I went to in Iowa against Colt Cabana, and he uh-huh. he did more of like a like a, a Islamic type gimmick to get like you know nationalist booze from the crowd. But he was yeah. very good. He he did lose uh, Ho Ho Loon, who you were a little critical of uh, when we were talking off air about him. But um, yeah, he's from Hong Kong too. Hong, um, so he's Chinese, which. That's a that's cool. Like you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, we already have a lot of Asian wrestlers in WWE." Well, yeah, we have a lot of Japanese wrestlers coming yeah. through, but it's nice to see some other representation. You know, Chinese. I I know there's a Korean person in this tournament somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I wasn't a big fan of this match. I felt like Ho Ho Lu was just. Um, there's obviously there's a lot of buzz behind this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with him. I. Um, dipped into his past a little bit based on uh, things retweeted on Twitter and uh, just conversations I was just indulging in. But I felt like he was really nervous. Um, He was, I I, I couldn't understand why. I mean, it's very exciting what what you're doing, but I felt like he was very nervous. Um, He did not execute moves. Um, He uh, he executed moves poorly, like the running knee to the back of the head. He missed. I felt like it landed on the back uh, on, on the on the back, and um, even um, some of the crowd control and um, some of the taunting towards the crowd and stuff like that um, was just a little offset to me. Where I feel like after the execution of the move, then you try to pump the crowd up, but then you wait. He was waiting a little bit, but like he missed that one moment. You know, like somebody clapping on beat a little bit. It mm-hmm. like. um, but I'm all more. I'm all the more of the fan to see somebody actually build itself better as time goes on, which is 
pretty much the only significant thing that I got from watching Tough Enough is that you actually did get to see somebody not good eventually try to get better. So if if, I, if I'm able to see him develop down the line, I'm cool with that. No. Isn't isn't this tournament in a lot of ways what we wanted tough enough to be like a represent like guys who legit are there for the right reasons who legit have the talent getting a chance on the main stage? I mean, in, in, in layman's terms, yes, we want tough enough to be breaking ground. That's what we really wanted. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind breaking ground turning into a, a tournament, just like how the USC does with tough enough, sort of say. And I, I mean, I'm, not sorry. I'm sorry, not tough enough, the ultimate fighter. In one, in one way, yes, but in another way, I kind of want experienced people in there if they're going to make it a competition because I almost think it's unfair for you to – some people learn at different rates, but you know, when someone does learn how to work well, they might end up being better than someone who picked up the basics quicker. It's just – it's one flaw of tough enough that I think has resulted in – not a lot, you know, very few of the winners actually becoming something big. You know, maybe uh, Johnny Mundo being the best example of Do you, I of mean, that. And do you think that the WWE is so, like, big on themselves that they say, like, I don't care where you learn from, you never learned our way, therefore your experience doesn't translate over to ours, therefore everybody starts at, at, at ground zero? So I mean, there there is some truth to that because wrestling in New Japan is still – different than wrestling with so many more multiple cameras purpose of just being in that spotlight i think nakamura you can see a difference in the way he presents himself now he yeah. he's a little more thoughtful about his entrance and about kind of his crowd reaction i think he's starting to sell more than he not that he didn't sell in japan but selling in a way that emotes a little more emotion you're seeing yeah. that now, now that he's been in WWE for, I guess, three months now, give or take. But um, I, I think there definitely is some truth to that. Um, I want to move real quick to the other two matches we saw. Uh, Cedric Alexander, formerly of Ring of Honor, uh, made a great impression in his victory against Clement uh, Patois, I believe is how you say the name. I believe he's French. He's from France. Um, I, I just I love that we could see Cedric Alexander on this stage. And he is going to face Kota Ibushi in round two, who won his match against a great match against Sean Maluda. Um, you got to think Ibushi's going to probably beat him, but it's, I still would like to think there's a place for Cedric Alexander after this tournament. Dude, like, this is insane. <laughs> and Ibushi rumored to have signed an NXT contract, also, by the way. Yeah, you know, which also makes me wonder what's going. Why wouldn't Cedric also? given that opportunity well i i definitely don't think they're done doling out contracts i just think those two they they might have looked to see the kind of reaction guys got once it aired on the network maybe that was part of it and maybe you'll see more of those come out but um Uh, i mean uh, you look at the bracket and you can kind of tell who the final four might be towards mm -hmm. the end of this Looking at the upper right-hand side, you have to think Abushi is going to be the one coming from that part of the bracket. Looking at the bottom, the bottom right side, TJ Perkins got a lot of shine in that bracketology special. Yeah, I, I think they're really hot on him. Uh, in the upper left-hand co- corner, I, Grand Metallic stands out, especially given that he signed a contract already, r- rumored. And then the bottom exactly. left, you have to think Zack Saber Jr. So, 
But but these other guys can get contracts. Like the guy that Saber Junior is going to wrestle in round one, Kevin Owens like put over like a million bucks from knowing him on the Indies on Twitter. His name is Tyson Ducks. Oh, so oh, like right, right, right. So right. like I I really think WWE would be foolish if if guys can't can at least go and they can connect with the crowd and they're global and they can appeal to those global audiences you're trying to reach with the network. Why wouldn't you sign them? Yeah, I think they'll, know, so just real quick before before I, I stop talking, uh, I think you know they have a lot of Japanese talent, but adding Ibushi is just another level to getting more exposure in Japan where there's already a pretty entrenched um, wrestling product, several wrestling products really. Um, I think it's it's all good for WWE for the long term. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was gonna. I'm definitely gonna piggyback off of you. I totally agree. Um, the other interesting thing that I read somewhere down the line is that um, there was an interview with Triple H where they basically was saying now that you don't look at NXT as a developmental league um, anymore. That uh, you know, how do you go about building your wrestlers? Forget that. I'm not. I don't want to address that question. So if you're not booking it as a developmental league. Well, I, I'm guessing you're booking it as an independent wrestling circuit, which if that's the case, that there's no question that all these names that we're seeing here will be able to have a chance to make an appearance on NXT to get some type of more global exposure, maybe work out a contract. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how these contracts will work. Are they work in the sense of how ROH does, where if you do wrestle on NXT, you cannot wrestle on TV here for an, on the extended time, whatever it may be. Um, so at first, you know, we kind of like when the tournament first got announced, maybe myself, I said, you know, whoever wins will get a contract, will get a trophy or a belt, wherever it may be. It may either be able to defend it around the world or just get a, a contract to work with NST. Now it's like, you know, all you guys are working for the, the gold at the end, but yet you're also getting exposure all the way around. Mm-hmm. I expect to see you guys in the NST ring at some point if it ain't for a couple of shows or you actually do come full time, whatever it may be. Yeah. But none of these names are what it does. <laughs> that's all. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And, it, and it, it, all, it makes me so excited to see either to maybe see these guys get some shots in NXT. Maybe they still work the Indies, but maybe they come back to the Cruiserweight Classic in 2017 and we've heard of them before and they're more exposed to the audience and maybe they make it farther in the tournament and maybe they get that deal next year. Like, I think... This is only an opportunity, and they made that pretty clear in the commentary as well. Um, yeah, four great—I mean, four great matches to one degree or another. I know we get to see Tajiri next week. I, I think the Gargano Champa match is coming up soon. I'm. Uh, is there anyone else that you're really excited to see in round one that we haven't seen yet? You already said him. T.J. Perkins is. Uh, mm-hmm. who I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm a big fan of him, again, on his social media presence. Um, his background story that was uh, told at the introduction ceremony, I think that was, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, had no clue. Um, so I, I like heartfelt stories like that. He's a big sports fan. Uh, frequently communicates with us on Twitter. Um, there's no bias because he talks to us. But, no, I like the fact that he's able to show a more human side to him where he was – chiming in on the Kevin Durant free agency move. Like, <laughs> that's big to me, you know, because yeah. we're, we're, we're just regular guys who likes wrestling, but we're very socially conscious. So to see him, you know, to have made it or be on such a platform right now to be able to 
still communicate with, you know, just us guys talking wrestling is <laughs> cool to me. Well, and so, he has a story that you couldn't even write his backstory. So I, I we, we hope good things for him. Um, Rich Swan. I'm also excited to see more Rich Swan. I like him. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, this wasn't a spoiler episode, so I can like narrow this down. But we, I kind of dipped into the NST recordings for J- July and August. And well, you're going to Takeover, so yeah, you're probably very interested to see what you're going to get on that card. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for the fans because um, somebody already chewed me up on Twitter once for the Bobby Roode. Uh, um, oh, <laughs> whatever. We all know Bobby Roode was coming in. And WWE but, spoiled that when he was at Download last month. People, please. Yeah, you know? Get off Twitter if you don't want spoilers. That's what I have to say. Stop you know it. How to pick your, you know how to pick your moments. Don't get on Twitter during 9 o'clock on Sunday if you're not currently yeah. watching Game of Thrones. You're going to miss it. Yeah. Stop it. Like when I, when I have to watch Walking Dead late, like I'm not even trying to go on social media. Yeah. Yeah, you remember after we got back to the hotel after WrestleMania? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the it was the whole last the Negan episode. Yeah. Yeah. There's some spoilers floating around about that, by the way. Some casting news um, that I accidentally read. I'm not going to spoil that, but I will say there's two new characters joining Rick's gang. One of uh, they're played they're two women that have played roles on other AMC shows. Um, girl from Mad Men and. Walter White's wife from Breaking Bad, which is kind of cool, yep. and a gun. They're, they're not from the comments, and um, what's his name that's playing Nick, and it has a full-time role, which which made me think, like, hold on, so what was he before? Going to do, like, three episodes as the main antagonist? I, I don't know what they was about to plan. At I mean... I'm, I'm glad to know he's going to be here full-time. Looking at it from a wrestling lens, it might almost have been better, less is more, because we remember the governor got a little saturated after a while, but... You think? I love the governor. I did, too, I but, like... I didn't. I like. I liked how they humanized him, but then after a while, it was kind of like, all right. I think I'm ready for you to to be off yeah, now. But you wanted him to recap it, and his and his his last stance was one of the ones. Yeah, you'll, you'll never forget. Yeah, this is true. This is true. My my but, wife's my wife joined in on watching Walking Dead. This will be then we'll move on. I promise. Um, around <laughs> season four, and so she saw the governor going ham, and it's, she's like, "Who's this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh, you don't even know who this guy is." <laughs> And she didn't even know any of the Shane stuff either, so I had to explain the Shane backstory uh, and how how um, Rick's daughter might not actually be Rick's daughter. Um, anyways, welcome to the welcome to the walk. Yes, yes. I will. I will say before you before you close, just just to piggyback what you said earlier that uh, upon these July and August tapings that um, Aaron's um, uh, sort of say hint at some of these uh, CWC uh, wrestlers have made. Um, appearances on the, the that's going to be on the Aaron episodes for those two months so for NXT with yeah now because you are going to see them again and um I'm, I'm just saying with that being said that you kind of going to have a sense of what type of match that you're going to get based upon some of the CWC people with current NXT um talent so yeah yeah NXT is going to be a sight to watch for a while I agree. Well, and the Cruiserweight Classic goes all the way into September, so we have uh, nine more weeks to go on that. It's a 10-week series. I believe week 10 is like its own live like kind of takeover-ish special, which is pretty cool. And you would think that some of our favorites that didn't make it to the finals will get matches on that card, and it will be a celebration of what what the CWC was. Um, yeah. 
Real quick before we go, I have I have to jet in five minutes, but real quick before we go, last thoughts on the draft. What I'd like to hear, you know, we've done our mock drafts where we kind of picked against each other and whatever your whatever your co-drafter picked affected how you picked. But we have to remember that the draft also exists in a vacuum where Vince will ultimately have the final say on who goes where. So looking at it in terms of you plotting these guys out overall instead of picking one show – Give me, like, where you think your top four guys for each show, like, who are going to be the top four guys in the main event on Raw and the top four guys, or five, however many you want, on SmackDown? How would you split up the top talent? I, I, I think right now nothing changes. Um, I think you, you keep uh, Cena, Ronan Reigns on two different shows still. Um, you keep uh, Seth, and I think you keep The Shield on one show, so that's three for one show. And you keep the club and Cena on the other show. Um, and to top it off, I think you keep Sasha Banks on one show and then Charlotte on the other. That's how you split mm-hmm. your top people. So I think it's—I don't think anything's changed in the news. Um, right now, I'm, I think the traffic, it is what it is to watch it. NST right now is where my biggest interest is. Sure. Yeah, well, do you, who do you think, I guess maybe my follow-up would be, who's getting called up? Well, this is what I was going to say last year. How much time do we have? Now, 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 the last NST special. Uh, I'm sorry. Was the last one? I'm getting confused. Which one's called the end? The la- the, the previous right? one they just did in June. Right, right, right. I, and I and I and I'm starting to see that maybe the end isn't sort of say the end of NST, but maybe it is sort of say the end of the of to NST developmentally. But maybe now you do look at it as NXT the the indie show because based on these 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 uh tapings that we're looking at again you, you're you're bringing in people and you're having them fight nst veterans and it's just that that doesn't look so much storytelling just based on what i'm seeing the only storytelling seems to be around um the who has the title and that's fine but everything else just seems to be this guy versus this guy because it seems to be a good match and it's just mm-hmm. that seems to be how the indies is ran so I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to after the Cruiserweight Classic's done though that we get a hard reset on that in terms of I'd like a little more storyline things going on yeah. eventually yeah. but I understand the purpose now you got to get guys in the ring to see what what's what um, but to answer your question every 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 top person in NXT will be on in the draft so I'm saying Balor I'm saying Nia Jack I'm saying Bailey I'm saying um, Nakamura Joe. Not Joe. He has the title, and not Nakamura, sort of say. I would like sort to see say. them take more of a more of an NBA type approach to this, where like maybe in like the supplemental draft, which I hope they put on the network. That's a great sell for the network. They should say, "I'm gonna, I, I, I'm selecting to acquire the the future right. draft rights of Samoa Joe. We'll let him be an. It's kind of like how like the Bulls let Nikola Mirotic." stay overseas in Spain for like three more years and then they brought him over because they had his rights. Dude, I love Miritich. Three, it's three cola in Chicago, baby. Come on now. Um, but to, to lay out the, the top parts of the brand, I think Roman and Seth need to stay on the same show because I think there's more to be done there. You can come back to Roman and Dean or even a shield triple threat down the line potentially. But I, I think Dean needs to be on SmackDown. Roman and Seth on Raw. I think you put. I think Cena and AJ need to be on the same show still. Mm-hmm. 
So I think maybe put them on SmackDown. I think it would be nice to see Cena and AJ fend for the SmackDown title at SummerSlam in their their second one-on-one match. Maybe Shane puts the title, the new title up for grabs in that match. I think Kevin Owens needs to be on SmackDown because I think I don't think him and Seth Rollins need to be on the same show. I think Owens can be a little more top heel effective without Seth taking a lot of that spotlight, which means Sami Zayn would be on Raw as kind of a, a top mid-level babyface counterpoint. And you can maybe revisit them at WrestleMania. What I'd like to see when you guys are at Battleground is Owens win by just blatantly cheating and then Sami Zayn can avenge that at WrestleMania, and they can hint at it throughout the rest of the year. Um, and then the, uh, the 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 women, I still don't, we haven't really heard how that's all working yet. But I'd like to see, I'd like to see Sasha on SmackDown. I think for sure. I think that's a good look. And I kind of want to see Bailey on Raw if they call her up, keep them separate. And I think Finn needs to be on whatever show the club's on, just to revisit that. And I'd like to see Finn versus Cena. And then maybe Nakamura. I think Nakamura is tailor-made for Raw right now. But again, maybe they, they choose his draft rights and he goes up eventually. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, one last thing, and then I, I do have to go. Tell me one or two tag teams that you see being split up in the draft. Uh, um, I think that... Okay, well, I think for one, the session, I think they're probably going to have to be repackaged or something, unless they're just on superstars and doing stuff. Yeah, I call superstars the land of where's those wrestlers at. Hey, they, they, there needs to be jobber tag teams. Maybe that's what their destiny is. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I go a session and then I go, um, oh, man, it would be crazy for Enzo and Big Cast to happen, but they don't even have a tag team name. Yeah, but they're Enzo. And, I mean, that's the thing. They're they're two big personalities. Maybe that is the reason to split them up. I think the Dudleys get split up because I think we're going to see the iteration of Bully Ray on uh, Smack on SmackDown very soon. I think that that was always true. the intention. You get the money, you squeeze the money out of the Dudley Boy gimmick again one more time, and then you split them up. And um, I think he would do very well on SmackDown or Raw. He could be a good mid level heel on Raw to replace Kevin Owens if he goes to SmackDown. Um, I, I kind of think it's implausible to think that all four members of the Wyatt family stay together here. Um, no, at, at least three. I think, um, what's I, his name that's out? I uh, think Luke Harper like, needs to be on his own because I think he has a lot to offer as a solo I, act. And, and I think it's a perfect time for him while he's out to repackage him to bring him back. Yep, yep, yeah, so yep. I idea. couldn't agree more. And um, Bray Wyatt is still an enigma to me in terms of where he ends up. Um, I think Raw might be a better place for him because he's kind of a louder character. And I think that um, Roman will need another heel to work with if they keep him babyface. Um, also, I, I'd like to see maybe Wyatt get a run with the title on Raw for the fall. Finally. Finally. I think that would be a good thing um, to see him actually go for the title. Um, it's going to be very exciting. We, we have a lot of plans in the works um, that we kind of hinted at the last episode in terms of maybe doing some live features during the draft with the crew, which we would subsequently put on the podcast feed. But um, stay tuned to Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We're going to get back with you guys on all things draft coming up leading into Tuesday. We also have the big title match between Dean and Seth on Raw. Um, I, I sense that something wonky might happen there. 
and um, we definitely look forward to um, whatever comes out of the week. So um, have a great weekend. This is Big Old Belt Wrestling Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out, get the word out, and um, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.